Hi, it's Cooper. I'd like to know a little bit more about you, the listeners. So I made a little survey. It's just four tiny questions and should take about one minute to complete. The link is at the top of the show notes. Thank you so much, and let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is A Little English. Every episode, I read a short story. After the story, there are three tiny lessons. This is part one of a new story by Philip K. Dick. This one is called Beyond the Door, and it's only two episodes. It's still a kind of horror story, but a different kind, a smaller kind. Just a man and his wife and the other man and the cuckoo clock. Enjoy. That night at the dinner table, he brought it out and set it down beside her plate. Doris stared at it, her hand to her mouth. My God, what is it? She looked up at him, bright-eyed. Well, open it. Doris tore the ribbon and paper from the square package with her sharp nails, her bosom rising and falling. Larry stood watching her as she lifted the lid. He lit a cigarette and leaned against the wall. A cuckoo clock, Doris cried. A real old cuckoo clock like my mother had. She turned the clock over and over. Just like my mother had, when Pete was still alive. Her eyes sparkled with tears. It's made in Germany, Larry said. After a moment, he added, Carl got it for me wholesale. He knows some guy in the clock business. Otherwise, I wouldn't have... He stopped. Doris made a funny little sound. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to afford it, he scowled. What's the matter with you? You've got your clock, haven't you? Isn't that what you want? Doris sat holding on to the clock. Her fingers pressed against the brown wood. Well, Larry said, what's the matter? He watched in amazement 
as she leapt up and ran from the room, still clutching the clock. He shook his head. Never satisfied. They're all that way. Never get enough. He sat down at the table and finished his meal. The cuckoo clock was not very large. It was handmade, however, and there were countless frets on it, little indentations and ornaments scored in the soft wood. Doris sat on the bed, drying her eyes and winding the clock. She set the hands by her wristwatch. Presently, she carefully moved the hands to two minutes of ten. She carried the clock over to the dresser and propped it up. Then she sat waiting, her hands twisted together in her lap, waiting for the cuckoo to come out, for the hour to strike. As she sat, she thought about Larry and what he had said, and what she had said too, for that matter, not that she could be blamed for any of it. After all, she couldn't keep listening to him forever without defending herself. You had to blow your own trumpet in the world. She touched her handkerchief to her eyes suddenly. Why did he have to say that about getting it wholesale? Why did he have to spoil it all? If he felt that way, he needn't have got it in the first place. She clenched her fists. He was so mean. So damn mean. But she was glad of the little clock sitting there, ticking to itself with its funny grilled edges and the door. Inside was the cuckoo, waiting to come out. Was he listening? His head cocked on one side, listening to hear the clock strike, so that he would know to come out? Did he sleep between hours? Well, she would see him soon. She could ask him. And she would show the clock to Bob. He would love it. Bob loved old things, even old stamps and buttons. He liked to go with her to the stores. Of course, it was a little awkward, but Larry had been staying at the office so much, and that helped. If only Larry didn't call up sometimes to... There was a whirr. The clock shuddered, and all at once the door opened. The cuckoo came out, sliding swiftly. He paused and looked around solemnly, scrutinizing her. The room, the furniture. It was the first time he had seen her, she realized, smiling to herself in pleasure. She stood up, 
coming toward him shyly. Go on, she said, I'm waiting. The cuckoo opened his bill. He whirred and chirped, quickly, rhythmically. Then, after a moment of contemplation, he retired, and the door snapped shut. She was delighted. She clapped her hands and spun in a little circle. He was marvelous, perfect. And the way he had looked around, studying her, sizing her up, he liked her. She was certain of it. And she, of course, loved him at once, completely. He was just what she had hoped would come out of the little door. Doris went to the clock. She bent over the little door, her lips close to the wood. Do you hear me? she whispered. I think you're the most wonderful cuckoo in the world. She paused, embarrassed. I hope you'll like it here. Then she went downstairs again, slowly, her head high. Larry and the cuckoo clock really never got along well from the start. Doris said it was because he didn't wind it right, and it didn't like being only half-wound all the time. Larry turned the job of winding over to her. The cuckoo came out every quarter hour and ran the spring down without remorse, and somebody had to be ever after it, winding it up again. Doris did her best, but she forgot a good deal of the time. Then Larry would throw his newspaper down with an elaborate, weary motion and stand up. He would go into the dining room where the clock was mounted on the wall over the fireplace. He would take the clock down and making sure that he had his thumb over the little door, he would wind it up. Why do you put your thumb over the door? Doris asked once. You're supposed to. She raised an eyebrow. Are you sure? I wonder if it isn't that... You don't want him to come out while you're standing so close. Why not? Maybe you're afraid of him. Larry laughed. He put the clock back on the wall and gingerly removed his thumb. When Doris wasn't looking, he examined his thumb. There was still a trace of the nick cut out of the soft part of it. Who or what had pecked at him? On Saturday morning, when Larry was down at the office working over some important special accounts, Bob Chambers, 
came to the front porch and rang the bell. Doris was taking a quick shower. She dried herself and slipped into her robe. When she opened the door, Bob stepped inside, grinning. Hi, he said, looking around. It's all right. Larry's at the office. Fine. Bob gazed at her slim legs below the hem of the robe. How nice you look today. She laughed. Be careful. Maybe I shouldn't let you in after all. They looked at one another, half amused, half frightened. Presently, Bob said, Oh, if you want, I'll... No, for God's sake. She caught hold of his sleeve. Just get out of the doorway so I can close it. Mrs. Peter's across the street, you know. She closed the door. And I want to show you something, she said. You haven't seen it. He was interested. An antique or what? She took his arm, leading him toward the dining room. You'll love it, Bobby, she stopped, wide-eyed. I hope you will. You must. You must love it. It means so much to me. He means so much. And that's where we're going to stop part one. What do you think so far? It's not so totally horrible. There's no dead bodies. Not yet, anyway. Just three people and a clock. But it's weird, right? There's something strange going on. It's hard to know what, but there's something about that clock. Something not right. Let's do some tiny lessons. The big picture is looking good today. I've got a question for you. What's the deal with Bob? Is he just a friend? Is he Doris's lover? How do you know? Take a minute. Maybe review some of the text. Yeah, they're sleeping together. Or if they haven't yet, they will soon. I know, because she's keeping him a secret. From her husband, and even from the lady across the street. She's his secret. Good luck, Bob. Let's uh, shake it on down at the Dictionary Disco. The first vocabulary word is a phrasal verb. 
sort of. It's afford it. As in, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to afford it. So if you can afford something, it means you have enough money to buy it. So we mostly see that as I can't afford it. I don't have enough money. The second word is nick, as in a nick on the soft part of his thumb. A nick is a tiny little cut, like something was kind of dug out. Like if you just get yourself with the tip of a knife, or the beak of a tiny wooden bird? Can we share a melody moment? I want to talk about a really fun pair of sounds. And of course, they're the same, except for voicing. So, let's start with this one. All kinds of different cultures use this sound to mean... Yeah. Be quiet. So, what happens if you voice it? You get a sound that's quite rare in English. <laughs> Try it. Does your language have this sound? Where do you use it? What letter do you use? In English, it could be an S, like in explosion or Asia. Or a G, like in garage. Or a J, like in deja vu. Or a Z. Or a T. Or even in luxury, it's an X. Let's do the credits. Thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 5 of A Little English. Every episode is produced entirely by me, Edward Cooper Howland, here in Hiroshima, Japan. If you like the show, tell someone about it. A recommendation from a friend is the best way to get someone to listen, and I would really appreciate it. The stories that I read are in the public domain, and I get them from standardebooks.org, which is a really good website, and you should check it out. Again, thank you so much for listening. For now, be kind to yourselves and to each other. <laughs>